This is Pat McDonald, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Did you know that Yuck Yucks can help you raise thousands of dollars for your charity, club, or organization? Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on Fundraising. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yuckamaniacs? This is the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me this week. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you, as we do every week, right here on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yay! Yeah, I've uh, I've been keeping busy. I've been a busy little monkey. Uh, I hope everyone else is doing absolutely uh, wonderful. Uh, I will not talk about politics this week, I promise you. I, uh, I've had my fill, folks. Uh, what turned out to be a funny, funny gag in the beginning has now, well, quite frankly, it's turned into a reality. Now it's just one big, sick, twisted reality. Uh, but uh, you know what? What I've what I have realized is that um, someone who I despise so much, uh, it's difficult to give credit to. But you have to give the guy credit. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Donald Trump here. Uh, to how well he can manipulate the media or use it to his advantage, rather. Uh, very brilliant uh, way of uh, saying something, uh, one outrageous thing a week uh, that will get him more play, more press uh, for uh, the following week. It's a brilliant marketing move. And, and quite frankly, I think comedians should start doing that same thing. No, I'm joking. Don't do the same. I don't want you up on stage saying crazy shit. And then we're going to have to call in the PR department. Yex has a PR department, right? It's just Kira with a big stick saying, you shut your mouth, boy, or you're going to get a whipping, right? Is that how it works? Just one phone call. And then the Yucks Mafia comes out and beats the living shit right out of you. Wow. That's off to a dark start. I've been having a very uh, busy week. I'm going to start talking more about me here because, uh, well, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to talk about me. Very busy week. I was in Edmonton shooting some commercials. I was uh, back in Calgary. Uh, we got the uh, first meeting of our amateur comedy competition. I'm going to talk about this a little bit here because I'm very excited to be a part of it. I'm hosting it this year, uh, which is uh, probably something that uh, uh, they're not quite used to. I think usually the format is that they'll get a comedian to host. And uh, when they said, hey, we should get somebody who's not funny and who's not a comedian. Well, of course, the first thought that came to their mind was Jake Hirsch. Let's get him in here. Uh, no, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> right? Right? That that's that that was a joke. I'm I'm funny when I want to be, I think. Anyway. Uh no, I think they're kinda going with a different format this year. They want a host, they want someone who's gonna put the spotlight on the talent, on the funny talent. Um, and, uh, and someone who's not going to just be up there trying to crack jokes and, uh, get the crowd warmed up. So yeah, we're kind of doing this American idol theme. And I think that's probably how most contests run. Uh, but, uh, this host, uh, position for myself, I'm very excited about cause I get to get up there and watch and see all the wonderful different amateur comedians that are kind of coming up on the local scene. And that's exciting to watch because, uh, those are going to be the future guests of this show. Probably. Right. They're going to be the future you guys, the comedians, the 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 ones that have been around and uh, are, I'm sure are listening to this podcast right now, listening to me, right? Because you know 
When Jake Hirsch speaks, he speaks the truth. I got to start doing some voiceover work. I think I've got a good radio voice, but the only problem with that is radio is dying and um, no one is really getting into radio. I think everyone from radio is getting out of radio, but I don't have the, you know, present day radio voice. I have like the 1950s and 60s radio voice, but you know, before the TVs came out, that's the type of radio voice I have. The golden age of radio. Yes, back. I don't know if you guys um, listen to this at all ever. I know I'm jumping around a lot tonight and I'm very hyper because I just had a big fat Starbucks. But um, I was thinking about this the other night. I was laying down in bed and um, uh, sometimes I'll flip around on the station, you know, fall asleep to something boring. And there is this channel out there and this channel does old time radio shows. And I'm not sure if anybody's heard that before. Uh, I know in Canada and the United States, I mean, this channel that plays them uh, is is syndicated all over. So it's just a matter of uh, going up and down the dial and listening for it. But uh, right between, I think it's uh, around, I don't know, 11 to 1 or something like that, the old-time radio shows come on. And it's funny listening to those because of the how politically incorrect shit was just a you know short time ago. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking about uh, this is the... You know, just uh, just before generation, uh, the baby boomer generation. So, you know, yeah, in that time frame is when they were probably kids coming up listening to this stuff. Um, you get a lot of cigarette commercials, a lot of uh, alcohol commercials. <laughs> you get a lot of commercials that are like, want to make the wife happy? Surprise her with a Hoover vacuum cleaner on Christmas. She'll be happier with a Hoover. Those are the type of commercials that I'm referring to. Uh, very politically incorrect. Uh, very, very sexist. Uh, and, and it's funny cause uh, you know, they have like the cigar one where a woman is only a woman, but a cigar is a smoke. Yeah. Those are, <laughs> oh man. I love it. I love it. Uh, uh the, the one from Hardee's. Uh, women don't leave the kitchen. We all know a woman's place is in the home, cooking a man a delicious meal. But if you are still enjoying the bachelor's life and don't have a little miss waiting on you, then come down to Hardy's for something sloppy and hastily prepared. Hardy's hamburgers. <laughs> you guys enjoying this? I'm loving some of these ads, man. These are dynamite. Uh, anyway, today's guest is is absolutely phenomenal. It's a bit of a surprise guest. Um, I, and I know everybody is, uh, you know, usually waiting on which comedian I'm going to interview this week, but, uh, I've got a surprise for you. A very, very cool surprise. I'm very excited about it because, um, I recently got in contact with a gentleman, um, over in China. Yes, you heard that correctly. Do not adjust your, uh, volume levels. Uh, China. Yes. Unbelievable. Um, there is a young man out that way by the name of Andy Curtin and, uh, Andy went over there. Well, I'm, I'm going to let him explain his life story to you cause we get like right into it, but uh, very phenomenal story. Very, um, very awesome. Very cool, cool story. And one hell of a nice guy. Uh, super funny. Now there is a bit of a delay. I think there's a little bit of a delay and it's just because obviously we had a talk over Skype. Uh, I think he ended up, uh, I, th- I think, I don't know. Somehow we did the interview with Skype or self. I don't know how the hell we did it, but, uh, yeah, we had to, uh, prepare for the time zone change and the whole nine yards. Uh, but I'm glad I was able to get this. We talk all about the the comedy scene there and how this all happened and how he was really the founding fathers, uh, some of the, the, the first pioneers of, of comedy uh, in that area as far as bringing clubs to the people and, and bringing you know, actual live entertainment uh, to the people uh, in the form of comedy, which has not really been done uh, throughout that country very much. Now, 
with that being said, uh, I was just really, really impressed with his story. Uh, very nice guy. And uh, we just kind of hit it off right off the bat. And, and it ended up being a fantastic interview. And for all you comedians out there that kind of want to know how this works, how international bookings work, uh, this is the guy to talk to. Andy Curtin. He runs a show called Kung Fu Comedy. And it is absolutely killer over there. Now, you might recognize the names that he brings over uh, to headline out there. Yes, you know the names. Mr. Steve Simone, a, a former guest of this podcast. And, of course, Ari Shafir. Uh, uh, another guest of this podcast, and uh, he, he's brought over some of these monster headliners. I've actually, I think Steve Simone is over there right now because I, I see his social media. He's updating pictures over there, and it looks absolutely incredible. What an experience uh, to go perform internationally uh, for such a dynamite guy and a dynamite uh, company. Check them out. We're going to put the links up on the site. But in the meantime, folks, let's go talk to my buddy in China, Mr. Andy Curtin. government can squeeze the internet oh i mean that's a daily thing yeah i mean (laughs) that is crazy um, i mean yeah i I, you kind of forget like how much people know about it but uh, you know you can't access i mean technically you can't access facebook or youtube or twitter or anything like that but but people have vpns there's a way to get around it but what they do is they clamp down on the vpns whenever they have you know a meeting on or there's a big leader visiting or something and so you sort of it's just a pain in the ass really that's crazy man it's uh you know i think a lot of people forget that as progressive as china is and and you know one of the leaders obviously of uh innovation and technology it is still is it considered what a third world second world second world country i mean to be honest like i don't even really know what if that is a relevant, like, distinction anymore, because, I mean, the truth of it is that there are people living very well here and in, you know, Western countries, and there are people living in complete poverty in both of them. Um, very I true. Think just in the yeah. we- I, yeah. think of, I think in the West, we're just not really that used to, like, a government being like, you can't do this. But, but right. lots of countries have that. Have that. And, and, I mean, from my perspective, it doesn't really affect you that much except the internet. The internet's like one of the number one reasons that people leave. <laughs> right. Um, whereas, uh, I mean, but like, if you only use Chinese internet sites, the internet's really good. Right. Uh, so it's, it, it kind of affects foreigners living here disproportionately because we want to access the sites that you know, all of our friends who are not in China are using, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's crazy, man. So, well, okay. Speaking of foreigners, uh, you're in China. You're originally from Melbourne. Tell me how the hell did this all happen, man? Well, I mean, I, I didn't come to China for comedy. I, uh, I, I've been in China for seven years now and I, I graduated and, you know, Melbourne, and then I, so Melbourne's a nice place, but it's it's kind of far away from from everything. Right. Uh, and I graduated, and I just had this like, you know, pretty what turned out to be I, I think a, a, the correct thought, which is that if I don't leave now, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life living here, which 
I didn't really want to do. So I was like, I got to go somewhere. And I really wanted to learn a language. And so I was trying to pick a place where I could like learn language and that would be like a useful thing to help me stay there. Like after you can't go to France and just learn French. Like everyone's there. <laughs> they they fucking speak English. You know, you are like, oh, but, you know, bullshit. They're like, yeah, who fucking cares? But if you but if you could speak like a couple of words in Chinese, I was like, I think people would think that's impressive. I I also thought Russia would be like that, and maybe like the Middle East, and then China kind of stood out amongst those choices. <laughs> yeah, I've always I've always kind of envisioned that, like uh, taking a girl out uh, on a date and being able to like order Chinese food uh, in Chinese, and it being a very impressive thing. So I'm right there with oh, you, man. <laughs> Seriously, like the people would tell you, like in China, like even if you're in China, if you say one word, like even remotely well, then people will be like, "Oh my god, you are a language genius!" <laughs> Easy to impress what, what? over there, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but the irony of that is, it takes you a little while to realize that actually, if your Chinese is any good, they won't say shit about it. <laughs> Oh man, kind of, that's, a, that's, a, that's the metric to see if you're doing well or not. <laughs> so, okay, so when you decided to leave Australia, which, which, uh, in all aspects, it's it's that's a very popular thing to do. In Canada, we've got a ton of Australians that come to like yeah, resort towns, Banff and Lake Louise, Jasper, all these kind of like resort places, and they're the nicest people in the world. And they're always the most happiest and friendliest people. But it's funny. Oh, come on, James. I'm come serious, on. man. You I'm, well, you know what? Maybe because I haven't drank with them yet. But uh, but as far as I know, uh, it, everybody is just seems very happy and wanting to uh, just smile and party every time I talk to one of them. I think that's the most polite way of describing alcoholics <laughs> I've ever heard. That's amazing. <laughs> They're just so happy to see you when you have a beer. <laughs> that is true, I guess. Yeah, alcohol always seems to be playing a factor. But that but that does seem to be the common migration. People want to leave. People want to go out and, and check it out. So, so you chose China, and you wanted to learn a second language. When did comedy come into all this? Uh, not for a while, really. Like, uh, I, I sort of was... You know, I graduated. I was just trying to get a job, and I, it was kind of a whole other story about trying to work here. I, I kind of had some success early on getting a really good job, and then I fucked up my visa and got kicked out of the country, and then I was like, just, I didn't want to go home. Like, I felt this great amount of shame of having failed after I've been coming here for such a short amount of time. So I kind of just locked down and, and worked in really shitty jobs for a while, uh, and then... I was working in finance and I hated it. Right. And a friend, a friend of mine was like, I oh, used to try comedy. And so I, tr I went out to do comedy, but there wasn't really any comedy here back then. There was a little bit, there was a guy bringing in like British sort of, uh, you know, acts every now and then. And right. then, uh, there was, some, there was some improv, but no standup really. And so I joined like a, what turned out to be like an, poetry open mic and tried to do stand-up which went as well as I'm sure you can imagine it would um, <laughs> the, the guy before me was this blacked out Chinese guy like serenading his classmates um, he's, he's, uh, 
<laughs> oh my god, man, you're killing me over here. But let me interrupt for a second. Uh, how, what was the crowds like? I mean, yeah, I mean that kind of begs the uh, question because when I think of comedy in in other countries, you know, whether it be in Asia, whether it be in Europe or or what, wherever, I'm always thinking that it's just packed full of expats. Uh, that's not entirely true. I mean, that's certainly uh, when you go to different scenes around Asia, and you know, I've played most of them. Uh, you, you, the smaller scenes tend to be expat uh, crowds, but. Right. Uh, since we've been doing it over the last four or five years, it's slowly, we're just develop. it's a slower burn to build a Chinese audience, but they're there. And the thing about expats is they'll be your fans for six months or a year, sure. but then they go home. Right. But the Chinese audience, that's your fucking audience. And, and they're really building up. Oh, sorry, can I swear? I just, absolutely, yeah, I man. no, absolutely. Absolutely. You're good. Oh, fucking great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, but like to take another example, if you go to Malaysia where there is, Malaysia is one of the biggest scenes in Asia, uh, if not the biggest, you know, most of the audience are Malaysians. Um, so this is the thing that's happening is that it's, a, again, it's a really slow burn, but comedy in Asia, it's this thing that's happening, you know, it's just slowly growing year and year and, and more and more the local crowds are building. And so... When we started doing shows, I mean, when I did that poetry, I was like, it was probably mostly Chinese. But when we started doing shows, right. it went from being like five to ten percent Chinese to now it's like an average of like between twenty and forty. And but we ran at shows where it was like eighty to ninety percent. You know, I say Asian because it might be like some of them might be Asian American, but it's sure. seemingly mostly Chinese. Wow! No shit. That's pretty impressive, man. That's very impressive. Well, you know, we you know we do shows in Mandarin as well, which are entirely Chinese. Right, right. Interesting. That's fascinating, man. Okay, so I, I apologize for interrupting you. Take me back to that. You joining up with this group is like open mic type of a, <laughs> type of a scenario. And and how did it go, man? What happened? Take me through that. Wait, sorry. Which I I lost track there. Which group is that? Or, no, sorry, not the group, but uh, the the open mic where the 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 guy was serenading his uh, his friends there. <laughs> oh, dude, it was just hard. You know, I, I mean, it was like you know, you first to stand up, and for me, like my brain was so maxed out just trying to stand there that I couldn't remember a thing. I just kind of walked. It was like being born again. I just walked out of the. Vagina-like stage. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? What was that? And my friends had this look in their face, like, "Hey, are you still there, fine?" I was like, "Okay, if I didn't die, then." Oh my um, god, this is a complete out-of-body experience. That is dynamite. Yeah, so, but, but, but so I kind of I had fun with it, and then I spent a couple of months trying to get a few funny people together. And I mean, I dude, I didn't know shit about stand-up. Uh, but, you, like, you like know, were I, you like a lifelong fan of it? Like, were you doing amateur back in Australia at all, or was this all? Did this all, like, was this all born right there? I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I'd just been obsessed with Delirious and and Raw, you know, from right. Eddie Murphy, those specials. But like, I didn't even think of it as being stand up. It was just this thing that we watched. Um, and outside of that, nothing really. I mean, Melbourne has a, a huge festival and, and a big scene, but I, I think I've been to one little show and I just didn't, you know, I mean, people think that stand up is so mainstream, but it just isn't, you know, like right. it's not like tele television. I mean, there's a lot of people watching it, but it's not, 
most people aren't watching it. Um, and so I'd watched, you know, the specials as a kid and I'd get into it, but I didn't really know that much about it. But some of the other guys that I got on board at the beginning, uh, they were, had been into it for a long time. Right. Um, but we just didn't know what we were doing. Like, dude, like the, the first head, international headliner we brought to China was after we'd been doing it for 18 months. It was Butch Bradley. And like the first show we had with him, he was like, so where are the stage lights? <laughs> And why don't you have a microphone stand? And why aren't you playing music? And we were just like, we're like, no one, no one mentioned that you should do that. So this was like really trial by fire. Uh, I mean, trial, yeah, huge trial by error. Just fucking like, uh, but you know, the other thing is that I think, I think in New York and done some stand up there and it's brutal because everybody knows what stand up should look like. Right. Whereas, we were in a room where people just, they didn't know we were supposed to have lights and music, so they were, none of us knew what it should be. <laughs> it's it just kind of this innocent thing going on. Um, oh. But yeah, it really, it really, people really clicked with it because, you know, in a city like Shanghai, and I think a lot of cities are like this, there's not a lot to do other than eating and drinking, and, you know, people are really looking for other stuff to do. Right. And when this, Came. I mean, there's a lot of theater here now, and it was a bit before, but when, when there was something different to do, people just dived onto it, and we really got lucky uh, with the support from people just being interested early on. Wow, man, that is incredible. That, that, that is such an incredible start, and to see where it's gone today, I mean, for a lot of listeners that don't know uh, your background, because we just started getting into it, I mean, Andy runs Kung, Kung Fu Comedy, and... The headliners that you guys have brought through is just, it's insane to see that, that grow from what sounds like uh, the very beginning phases of something pretty amazing, but, but not really. Did you have any idea it was going to become what it was or what it is today? I mean, we always had this sense that, and we, I mean, we still do. There's this kind of this buzz around it. Yeah, everyone sort of feels like there's something bigger than us going on. Right. Uh, and certainly with the Chinese scene now, dude, I mean, like, the people that perform Chinese in our club are now in the company that's producing SNL China under the direction of SNL in the U.S. I mean, wow. it's insane. That is crazy. And like, yeah, and you know, I'm sharing the stage with these guys at our club. I'm performing in Mandarin as well, and and it's just like, it's crazy. But but to say we knew what was going to happen, no one had any idea. Like we just didn't, and 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 we didn't realize how lucky we were getting. I mean, from the bat, we had really good comics that wanted to come out here, and then as soon as they saw what it was, they were like, "Here's the guys you should be booking." Uh, and the comics, you know, we've been, you know, without um, naming any names, but like pretty much everyone that's come out here has been a. a fucking professional awesome comic and a good person to work with as well so that's helped massively getting the right people over here and the right attention and stuff like that so um yeah i mean we could and and when you talk about headliners, we're not talking about small time guys. We're talking about some heavy hitters. You guys have had Ari Shafir out there, and Steve Simone is, I believe, is out there this week or coming up or something. I keep looking at his Twitter. Uh, Jimmy Schubert. You guys have had Pete Johansson and Kyle Groom. I mean, you guys have had DC Benny. I mean, there's some big big names out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of those guys. I was just—it's insane that we get to work with them. I think that's one of the other things—is like the, the comics here don't realize how lucky they are 
to not only share the stage with these guys, but like, you know, Jimmy Schubert's now a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, if I go to LA, like I'll stay with Jimmy and, and the guys out here, they get, they get to hang out. Like Jimmy's like, can someone show me the town and someone gets to go and have lunch with him and talk comedy with him. And then, yeah. I mean, it's just a massive opportunity. And I mean, like, I don't know, uh, like talking comedy with Jimmy is just mind blowing. Oh, I can only imagine um, you know, what that would be like. Yeah. You know, all these stories of like working the door at the, at the comedy store in the eighties. It's like, it was, you know, we're touring with Kinnison, you know, getting wow. his, his limousine, getting, uh, raided by the DEA while he's with Kinnison <laughs> and then the DEA. And then they're asking to take photos with them. It was just, you know, all these stories. <laughs> that is um, crazy, man. Yeah, and so, so to be able to have a like a week just hanging out with these dudes is is, uh, is pretty unique, I think. That that is unique. So so tell me, okay, so after the birth of this, uh, what happened there? I mean, like, did you guys start spreading out? Did you start hitting? I mean, was it like a traveling show for a while? Tell me about some of the birth of like kung fu comedy and, and some of the history over the last uh, six or seven years there. Okay, so actually, before I started just by sheer coincidence my now like business partner was in a, a city called Sujo, which is at the time well, now Sujo is a half an hour train high-speed train right away but you know it's, it's the next city over sure and uh this guy tennis sparks um you know one of my best friends he was he was running they started doing roasts in a bar and they started doing stand-up like a, a, about a year before us so when we started to advertise shows, he contacted us and suddenly we started sending comics between these two cities. Um, and Turner is an old China hand. I think he's been here for like 11 years or something. Right. And he knew, and he was like, dude, we should start going to other cities. And now we've done shows in, in I think, 16 different cities in China. Um, and we sort of have these comedy rooms that we go to, you know, once every month or once every two months you know, partner venues that we work with. So when someone like Steve Simone or Jimmy Schubert comes here, like Steve's coming here next week, right. he will fly, he'll fly into Chengdu and do a show on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, he goes to Wuxi. And then on Thursday, Suzhou, Friday, Saturday, Shanghai, and then Sunday in Beijing. And they'll just go, we just get on the high-speed train and we just go from city to city to city putting on shows. That is crazy, man. That is, ab- like, just to even, to even think of that, uh, hitting so many different places, and so much culture, so much history. And that's a lot to take in for a guy. Yeah, and it's funny because it's you know there are differences between these places, but by the time the time the headliners get to Shanghai, they've just seen so much shit that they never knew existed. <laughs> They're just like they, they, you know, they look like they've been hit with a stun gun or something. <laughs> That is unbelievable, man. So, so, so take me through that. So, so in these different places that you guys stop and do comedy, are these, are these like fixed places? Are they, are they dedicated to having comedy there once a month? And so, and also further that, what's been the response like uh, going and touring all over the, like, I guess that's all over the. Yeah. For for the shows that we run, most of the shows are, connected by the high-speed train and in the eastern seaboard because the economics of running shows, it's like as soon as you get on a plane or like the further you go, the, the more tickets you have to sell. And then conversely, the further you are away from home, the harder it is to sell tickets. You right. know, the, 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 less, the less you are known. Uh, Chinese social media is 
mind-blowingly advanced, and that has kind of shortened a lot of those distances. But, you know, uh, to, to kind of break it down for you, there's a full-time comedy club that, you know, we own in Shanghai right. that's open, you know, five nights a week. And then in Suzhou, there's a comedy, uh, a permanent comedy room uh, that is just for comedy that we put shows in every week, you know, a couple of shows in every week. And then out beyond that, there are bars or other venues that we have an ongoing partnership with who will set themselves up for when we have a show and they've got equipment to do that or whatever. Right. But, like, I mean, it's a, it's a mixed bag, you know. Like, there's a city called Herfei, which you ne- no one probably ever heard of. Uh, and, you know, a guy calls me, he's like, hey, I was doing comedy in England, I've got a bar here, you want to come out? And then we go out there and it's like the Wild West. I mean, just shit is out of control. <laughs> like, the foreigners of all people who didn't realize what Herfei was and they've gone out there and they're losing their fucking minds. Um, <laughs> and you see some pretty weird shit out on the road doing comedy in China, I'll tell you what. Oh, I can only imagine, man. What's been the response I, 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 like from from the crowds there? I mean, are, are, are like, I mean, I know you mentioned that now that it seems like the percentages are kind of leveling off a little bit uh, to Chinese, you know, audiences and stuff like that. But but have you found that overall comedy has hit China? Have they seemed to welcome this with open arms? I mean, to to say like the problem with the the, the language that you know we all tend to use is that. To say, does China welcome it with open arms? It's like, this is a country of 1.5 billion people. Right. And we're not even a fucking blip on the radar for what's going on in this country. Um, I do believe that the Chinese language stand-up comedians are going to be, uh, you know, a big deal. Um, But you've got two really separate audiences. You've got your expats and you've got your Chinese. And the expats, they tend to be either aware of stand-up or, you know, like, here's another thing. If you go to a show in in Shanghai, the white people are are not Americans and British and Australian, you know. They're mostly, they're like Europeans, you know, Russians and Germans and uh, French people who who those countries haven't really heard of stand-up that much for the most part or it's pretty new for them as well. Um, So we're we're introducing stand-up to... you know, a lot of the expats as well. And stand-up's not for everyone, you know. Like, you can tell these shows where people get in there and it's like the first time they've seen it and some of them are like, oh, my God, you're blowing my mind right now. And others are like, holy shit, I couldn't dislike this more. <laughs> um, and they're just clawing for the exits. Uh, and I just, that's like, I mean, that's not what our shows are like, just for the record, for anyone who's listening to the coming to a show. But, you know, you, 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 it's sort of a mixed bag. With the Chinese audience, man, oh, like, you, there's, like, with the English stand-up, people have seen something similar, but with Chinese stand-up, for the most part, no one's seen a single person standing on stage trying to tell punchlines, talking about themselves, talking about their lives. That's never happened. And I, the best shows I've ever had were in Mandarin. Right. And the worst shows I've ever had were in Mandarin. <laughs> they just go... You just, you sort of, it's like strapping yourself onto a mechanical bull and just ramping it up to the maximum power. So I don't know how this one's going to go. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, let's just hope they sell some drinks for Christ's sake. So, but I mean, like, do you have loyal fan bases where, you know, you bring in an Ari or you bring in a Steve? 
is it going to sell out quickly or is it still the same crowd where people are still kind of coming out? Like, are, are people aware of the heavy hitters that you're bringing in? The one thing that I think we've done fairly well is we have created, you know, pretty early on we were using magazines and stuff and lifestyle websites to plug our shows and they were super keen to do it because we're new. Sure. But like, you know, these and magazines and stuff, they don't want to put your schedule in the front of their magazine every week. So pretty quickly we realized we needed to start creating uh, our own channels. And right. there, I mean, there are, there are social media platforms that no one's going to have heard of, like WeChat and Weibo that are like Twitter here, or like uh, WeChat's like a beefed up version of WhatsApp. Um, and, and what we've done is we just pump out like all of this information about these headliners. And as we've built our audience right. and made our audience like stand up, like Steve Simone's coming back next week. There are people who've been listening to his podcast for the last year since he was here. And they're now Steve Simone fans. Right. And like Ari should is, I mean, Ari's way bigger. I mean, Ari's bigger now, even than when he was here. But right. like people are like, people have started to look for these acts. And they're finding the guys that we're booking. You know, if you if you're getting into comedy, you're going to stumble across Ari anyway. Right. So as as we get going and we bring these guys back, our audience, even if they don't know the, even if they haven't seen the comic in Shanghai, they may be aware of them and they may be a fan of them. And that's just the beauty of stand up right now is that you can be a fan of someone online and follow them and then have a chance to see them live. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Tell me some of the, uh, you guys know. run a podcast though too, right? Yeah, so we have a, my podcast is called Stuck in the Middle, and uh, I do that with one of the comedians, Joe Schaefer. And actually, it's not really a comedy podcast. The basic premise of it is that you do just meet really interesting people here. Right. I mean, just crazy backstories. You just stumble across guys, you know, from the Middle East, or you know, like one of the comedians here is Egyptian, and uh, you know, he was tied up in some of the protests and stuff that were happening in Egypt. He's got an insane backstory. So we, were, we started to interview them to just have like 40 minutes of like, what is the full story here? Uh, but because we have so many comedians coming through, we get a lot of the comics on there as well. And that has allowed us to build a huge fan base for, for getting people into the shows as well. So um, it's, it's been crazy, man. That's incredible. You know what? Anybody can jump on your guys' website at kungfucomedy.com, and those are with K's, by the way, and check out some of the pictures on there. I was checking out some of your guys' pictures from inside the club, man, and it looks fucking badass, dude. It looks like a great, great spot. Uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That, that does actually mean a lot. It's all coming from you, so I appreciate it. That's incredible. Like you see, like the way that you guys have it decorated, and uh, you know the stage and the backdrop and the whole nine yards. How big is that club? Like, how many people you know can you can you pack in there? And and what are the average size of the clubs that when people tour around uh, over there? So we're we're really just playing comedy rooms. So the comedy club in Shanghai is a hundred and twenty seat theater. Oh, nice. Um, and. And so, well, it's not really theater, you know, comedy room. Um, and then outside of that, they, they usually range from, like, 80 to 100. Um, but we do have access to, like, 500 to 1,000 seat theaters, and we're hoping to bring out, a, you know, a bigger name act to fill one of those pretty soon. Right. Unbelievable, man. 
Unbelievable. What's up next, man? Like, what do you guys got planned? Are you wanting to keep expanding? Are you happy with what you guys have built there? Uh, and, and because in all actuality, I mean, it's, it's, you might not be a blip on the radar, uh, size wise, so, so to speak, but, but there, it, there's a very much, you know, pioneer aspect to this entire story where you guys have gone to places where they've never had access to this type of comedy before. And, it, are you happy with what you guys have built? Do you guys want to keep on going with this? I mean, I just am every day grateful to have the opportunity to do something like this. You know, I think it's a really, I think comedy is a really important thing. Uh, and I think people need it. And I'm just blown away by the chance that I get up every day and get to work on that. Right. Um, in, in terms of moving forward, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, China's a place where you can do things that you never thought you can do, and then you can't do things that you thought you could do. Right, right. Which, which, is, which is like a really complex environment. You know, one of the reasons we only have a 120-seat room is that they're very cautious about big crowds of people standing in front of someone talking to them. And if, if we were twice, two or three times the size we are, we would have a lot more trouble putting on shows. And so the question is, is China ready for a bigger comedy club? I can't answer that. You know, we just keep slowly trying to move it forward and seeing, you know, what's possible. Uh, We have hit a few bumps along the way and, and, you know, you just got to kind of find a way to keep moving forward. I think the real next move for comedy in Asia, which is something I've been working at for like a year now, is that the comedians here start touring around all the time. Right. And, and, and that should, you know, a lot of the clubs, the problem they have is they can't afford to fly someone out from the U.S. every week. And then they don't have enough comedians in their stock to turn them over enough for the audiences that they have. Right. But what they can't do for like, you know, an economically reasonable amount of money is bring in the people that are, that are good enough from the surrounding countries. And, and I think that's a really, uh, you know, I think that's probably what will happen to try and grow the scene to the next level. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and then one day we can have people that are legitimate headliners from here, based out of here, who can live off a good salary on comedy. I mean, that would be the, that would be a massive achievement, I think. Absolutely. And I think there's, you know, that just goes to show as well, though, that there's a lot of room. Uh, to network probably with a lot of other places, uh, you know, even if people are flying in to do shows in, you know, Southeast Asia or, or Australia or, or even over in Europe or whatever, I'm sure the cost would probably be a lot more um, something that they could work with uh, flying someone in somewhat locally as opposed to having to come all the way from the United States or Canada. I guess my blow your mind, man, but it actually costs more money to fly to Australia than it does to fly to the U.S. from, from China. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, that is ridiculous, it always, man. Oh. It, always cra- it always cracks me up that, that people from, uh, you know, the Americans, they always come here, they're like, yeah, so I'll come to Shanghai. I think of flying down to Australia for the weekend. I'm like, dude, have another look at the map. It's really far away. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, so so many of my friends have said that to me, but you know, I mean, uh, but certainly there are places that are pretty close by here. And, uh, I just, you know, and the other thing that's happening now is the headliners from here, you know, I mean, they are starting to get booked around the world themselves. Like Storm Shu, who is this epically amazing Chinese comedian. Right. He's been booked 
Uh, he's been flown out to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival. They're putting him up there for a month to do shows. Which Holy is, shit. You know, a, yeah, a huge hit. And then five of the headliners that are based here are going to uh, Edinburgh this year to do the festival there. So, you know, there, there's a lot of people trying to kind of carve pathways and connect with the rest of the world, which I think is going to be another way that things will move forward. Oh yeah, yeah, and that Fringe Festival in Edinburgh is is unbelievable, man. That's like on a different level. That's like uh, the holy grail of all festivals out there, man. Or the the Scotland, whichever one it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, I, I was going to ask you though uh, before uh, before we wrap this up, I'm very intrigued and interested in finding out what is the relationship like with the government there. How has it ever been? tense at all because i know that obviously china is a different country uh i've also heard that that you know large groups of people gathering to discuss ideas isn't always uh you know very much uh, looked uh, fondly upon what's your experience been like with that i mean you know it's a complicated thing and, and to be honest i don't feel like i can really get too far into it but i, I mean sure. i would just, ge- just generally, I would say that, like, it's very easy to cast off China as being evil and authoritarian, but people forget that, like, you know, this is a country that was very poor not that long ago that has created this gigantic economy, and, and, and managing 1.5 billion people is not a simple task. And so they're very cautious about how they let things happen. You know, and there's a lot of parallels between society in China now and like society in America in the thirties. Right. Right. You know, when that was, when that was going through a similar level of development and the government was kind of clamping, you know, Lenny Bruce, man, you know, that guy was shut down for speaking. Um, it's not unheard of in the West that that would happen. And, you know, you had McCarthyism and shit like that. So nothing that's happening here is like unheard of and has been done by good, you know, countries that are, going through similar changes, but China's in an enormous state of change. And you, when you, it's like, if you build a house really quickly, it's like, man, how good are those foundations? You got to check them all the time. And so they're very careful about how they allow stuff to happen. And, and the truth of it is that they're totally letting us happen. Right. And that's amazing. And I, and I can't, you know, that I, I'm, I'm just grateful for that every day. I can't judge that. And I think that China wants to have, a cultural influence in the world. I, I know they do. That's mandated in their five-year plan at the moment. Sure. Um, and part of that is allowing the arts to develop. They just, uh, you know, the problem is that politicians and artists have very different views about how art should develop, and that's just inevitable. Right. Right. I think it's. Uh, I think it's fascinating, and I think it's. I think it's great, man. I think it's super progressive of them to to be, you know, in any way, shape, or form, allowing this to happen or supporting it or, or, you know, not having an opinion on it. Either way, I think it's dynamite what you guys are doing out there and bring in any type of, you know, self observation or, uh, uh, you know, whether it be political observation or social commentary uh, to a stage in a form to which comedians can perform is, I mean, that's the greatest gift of all, man. So, so a huge pat on the back for you guys out there, man. That's amazing stuff. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You know, it's, it's so amazing that I could be sitting here in my apartment in Shanghai, you know, talking to you over in Canada and just, you know, it's a, comedy has a, a, an unbelievable way of connecting the world, I think. 
It, it, it definitely does. And, and I got to give some props to uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Carl uh, Schwartz, who, who actually uh, threw me your name and number and had uh, or your contact info and uh, is a buddy of mine from Canada who is over there teaching English right now. And it's 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 weird in a sense that sometimes you, you lose track and you forget that we are connected in, in, you know, so many different ways, whether it be through listeners of podcasts. I had a guy take a picture in front of the uh, statue of Bruce Lee while listening to my podcast. I was just blown away. I was like, holy shit, this really reaches different areas of, of the world. And the greatest thing about it is everybody has access to it. And, uh, and everybody can, can listen and, and educate themselves on, on who you know, everybody else is in the world. And so just to be able to, to reach out and, and to discuss what comedy is like in a different part of the world, man, it's, uh, it's been an absolute honor having you on the show. And, uh, and just to see what you guys are doing out there is, uh, is incredible stuff, man. Thanks, man. And really, thank you for bringing me on. And big thanks to Kyle as well. Kyle's a legend. I, I really appreciate him hooking us up as well. It's super cool. Absolutely. And uh, just stick around. I'm going to wrap up this recording. And, uh, hey, man, thanks again for coming on the show, Andy. It was an absolute blast. Anytime, Dave. Good talking to you. Thanks, pal. Folks, and there you have it, Mr. Andy Curtin from Kung Fu Comedy. Check them out, kungfucomedy.com. What a great guy, great interview. Thank you for taking the time out of your day across the globe to do that with me. Uh, Huge props. And again, thank you to my pal, uh, Carl Schwartz, for hooking this up. And we hope to keep in contact with Andy and wish him all the best out there. Continued success, sir. Stick around, guys. We've got lots of great episodes coming up. I cannot tell you enough how great the interviews are. Uh, on behalf of myself and the entire crew at Yuck Yucks, of course, uh, I am your host, Jake Hirsch, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, and of course, our webmaster who makes it all possible. That's right, Camille Sorovi. And of course, cannot forget my boy, Mr. Lane Argue, who's doing these badass guitar riffs and all that stuff, the intro and, and all that stuff to the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Lane Argue. Go check him out. Very talented and gifted musician. All right, folks, that's it for me. I am out of here, and I will see you next week.